so then Chris started deploying, you know, I'm fast forwarding. Um, and I was so afraid, Annie, I would drive down the freeway and get like really jumpy or I would, I just was afraid to lose him. He was different than anybody I'd ever met. And then I started having these moments where he's deployed that I go, God, I don't think I can sleep. I can sleep with the lights on. I'm like, just take the fear, just take the fear for a minute. And I would feel like a heat in my chest and my heart. It was a very personal feeling. I was like, like he's taking it. And this is, I just started going, wow, he cares. Like it, it just, it was, I mean, it gives me chills to this day, the ways that I would start to do to rely on him. I believe God put a specific light in your heart for a purpose, for you to shine it into this world in a way that nobody else can, a light that is unique as the print on your finger. And our job is to take that light and go love people with it in this world. Everywhere you go, you have a ministry. You don't just have to be a preacher to have a ministry. Your light is your ministry. It's how you shine it at your job, at your family, at the dinner table with your friends, at the movies, at the park, at your apartment. Everywhere you go, you are made to shine your light. Do it, be it, love people, be kind, honor them, honor yourself. This is made to shine. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Made to Shine. As you just heard in that introduction, we have an honor. We have such an honor today to be speaking with the beautiful, amazing, impressive, Jesus-led Kaya Kyle today. Uh, I am just so excited for today's conversation, today's discussion. As you all know, here at Made to Shine, we believe that every single person has a ministry. It's not just preachers. It's not just pastors. It's the way you live and shine your light in all spaces that you hold. And Taya, from what I've seen from afar, you do that so beautifully and so wonderfully with all you do as, as a mom, as someone that's a speaker, that's an author. And you have a children's book series coming out soon. So we'll get into that. But everything you do, you are led by Jesus. You shine your light. And I just think that's such a beautiful example for so many young girls. So Thank you for being on Made to Shine today. Thank you for having me. And before we dive in, because we've got a lot to talk about, but I we've got to start off with the way I start off every single Made to Shine episode, which is what is your favorite quote and why? I love that you have that. I'm actually kind of a quote fanatic. I've got them everywhere. Yeah, but I'm actually going to go with just Micah 6, 8 and quote the Bible on this one. Um, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with the Lord your God. It's got a lot of um, meaning to me. I mean, I get inspired by so many. It would be hard to pick a quote. I mean, that, like I said, Pinterest boards, uh, post-it notes, journals, in my phone notes, like quotes, 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 books, movies, all this. But um, I think for me, if I had to pick one, it has to be that just because it it guides my life and it, rem it reminds me of a lot of things that um, that I've been through. And loving mercy is huge, not only for myself, but for others. And um, acting justly is, it, it's a, a tightrope sometimes because justice sometimes requires consequences. And yet I, when I have to act justly, I have to do it from a human perspective, which means that vengeance is not mine, it's God's. And I believe that that's his justice, but my justice is different. And then walk humbly with the Lord your God. I think that's just something that God has if I look back, I go every time since I was a kid, if I ever thought I was proud of something or 
if I um, felt good about something, I felt like I got an immediate like humbling. And so I don't think that's that way for everyone, but for me, it's been that way. So I feel like that's just a message that God, knowing my spirit and soul had to just keep in check, not because I think I would be prideful, but something about it is, um, it's different for me. And it's just something that impacts me in a different way. So that, that walking humbly is just, uh, it's been a life thing for me. As it is, I think for everyone, right? It's just that constant, you're having to to almost, you have to be checked every now and then as you live your life. And and what a beautiful way to put it. So I'm curious, like, like take us back a little bit. I know a lot of people, they've probably seen the movie, The American Sniper. They're familiar with, with Chris and his story. But talk about Taya. Like, take okay. us through, talk about your story, your faith. Were you always someone that was so close with the Lord and held herself accountable to things like walking humbly? Kind of take us through that. Yeah. Okay, I will. And I also want to point out on the humbly thing, it's, it's an interesting thing for me because I think it's more than just like a not being prideful because I think I've been insecure enough, you know what I mean? Or, or knowing that I'm not enough. It wasn't necessarily a pride thing. It was more of a compassion thing and a things aren't black and white and a wanting answers thing and keeping humble about, I don't get the answers. And so I think God's done it um, in a number of ways, but it was less about pride and more about a humble nature toward what this experience is for everyone and what it is that we were meant to know and not know. And I'm a seeker. I want information, but the, the humility part is I'm not meant to have it. I can seek and it's good to seek, but I'm not meant to know it all. And I have to just release that control part too. So anyway, I could talk to you probably forever about that. Maybe it's a whole podcast, but I'll get to the, the question just, that you asked. Just be, I, no, I love yeah. that because I think yeah. we live in a day and age, we want information now, you know, that's yes. what we're and so I love that. Okay. But yes, tell us about yes. you. Did you always have this faith? How did you yeah. learn these lessons? Take us through it. Yeah. So it's an interesting question too, especially right now, because I was on a, uh, I was traveling a lot last week and I was thinking about this picture I have that my mom sent me a while ago and I'm, you know, little girl, probably four years old. And, uh, you know, we grew up humbly, not poor, but just humbly. And, uh, I had, a poster taped to my wall of Jesus with the children, you know, or it's Jesus loves little children and my Winnie the Pooh book. And I was, you know, in my bed, just smiling really big in my pajamas. And I thought, man, things really haven't changed. Winnie the Pooh has some of my favorite quotes, by the way, I absolutely in love with Winnie the Pooh. I, that one Winnie the Pooh quote, which is if you love something so much that it makes it hard to say goodbye or something yes. like that. That's, that's my favorite quote of all time. <laughs> so many, or there's one from Piglet that's like, um, I think he says, what are you doing, Pooh? I wish I was there doing it too. And it's like, I don't even care what you're doing. I just wish I was there with you doing this, doing it to be with you, right? Like there are just so many. Um, and it might've been Pooh asking Piglet, but I think it was Piglet asking Pooh. Anyway, um, just brilliant. And and I'm a lover of children's stories, um, probably for that reason, because as a kid, I just loved God. I would say I was raised Episcopalian and I just, like I get chills thinking about it how much I just felt God in my heart. Like I could almost feel a physical expanding of him. And I really just knew that our father, I don't think I knew a personal relationship the way that some Christian churches teach it now, or maybe always did, but Episcopal is very heavy on ceremony. And I was an acolyte. And then I just stopped wanting to go. I was Episcopalian as well. You were? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I stopped wanting to go in like middle school. My parents said, okay, my mom wanted to sleep in too. So my dad and my sister went to church and I, I didn't, um, 
I just felt God so strongly, but I'm not sure that I, I started to, at some point in my twenties, not be so certain about Jesus. Right. I was like, is he really the only way? Because I felt God since I was little. So can he be the only way to get to God? And it was uncomfortable to think that maybe people wouldn't get to God, but through Jesus. And so, um, and I really wasn't sure there was a devil and I really wasn't sure there was a hell. I just, I lived probably a different, maybe more charmed life, but I just thought people are imperfect, but I don't know about being, you know, cursed to an eternity of gnashing teeth and all of that stuff. And my mom didn't believe in it, frankly, my dad did, but my mom didn't. And I, um, I've recently even talked to her about it and been like, no, no, mom, I, it's a hundred percent there. And it's not that you know, her thing was a loving parent would never send their child away to that kind of existence. And my point to her was God isn't choosing a kid and saying, you behave badly, go burn. He's saying, I'm right here. And so I was telling my mom, what if it was your house, mom? And you said, I love you children. I want you to come to me. But they said, I don't even, not only do I not believe that you have a house and everything, but I don't even believe in you, nor do I even really believe you exist. Like I just, you're nothing they're choosing not to come to your home. And the alternative outside of your home is something very awful and unpleasant. You want them to, but they don't mom. That's what hell is. It's not God just choosing a child and sending him there. Um, and so she was like, Oh, okay, well, you know, that makes more sense. And, um, and so those things I came to really Annie over time of knowing Chris and, and recognizing true evil and savage behavior against children, primarily the, the kind of savage behavior that, he would talk about, we're talking sodomizing children, burning their eyeballs with cigarettes so they can't identify them and then putting them out into the desert. And they're like grandchildren of tribal leaders in the Middle East. And that's not an uncommon type thing. I'm, there are um, first responders and the kind of domestic violence they see against children. People literally heat an oven, get the rack hot and then put an infant or a baby or a, or a toddler on it and burn them as a punishment. That's wicked. I couldn't even think of those kinds of things. Like they, it makes me want to cry. It gives me chills. It makes me angry. Right. Like I have such a, um, that's wicked. That's beyond somebody making mistakes. Um, and I don't want to get too, you know, overly, um, disturbing here, Annie, but you know, we talk about sex trafficking and child pornography and some of my friends in law enforcement that work on sex crimes were telling me that they are filming pornography against infants. I can't even really say it without crying. I just like, it's, it's so next level wicked that you can't deny the existence of evil. And so once I started learning those things and I started asking pastors, I had this great opportunity to, to travel the country and talk to people who are academics in the Bible. And I said, what, you know, tell me about, about evil. I want to know more about it. And I, I put it in these layman terms that make a lot of sense to me. Um, and I've asked pastors and they say it's, you know, in, in different terms, it, it, it works. Um, but I, so if, you know, God has this right hand person, Satan, and at the time is this beautiful angel of light and beauty and all of the things that we, our souls gravitate toward, right? Like that's, we love beauty and we love, um, power, but we love it in the form of goodness. Um, and we get lost a little bit in this world, forgetting that it has to be in goodness, not just beauty, um, but in power. Um, and so he challenges God and he says, you're not all that. And God says, but I am, I am. And he says, no, I think basically, um, I'm angry with you. You don't give me more. I want to be as good, whatever those things were. 
And he, he basically challenges God and God says, okay, if you want to leave, leave. And if you want to take people with you, they want to follow you, go. And I'll tell you what, I'll even create this world and I will put my beloved souls on it and you go your hardest. There are some parameters that I believe God puts on Satan while he's here. But he says, do your thing. And I am going to show you that my people will still want me, love me, seek me. They will hear me without their ears. They will see me without their eyes and good will win. And the devil says, game on, right? And he leaves and he goes after us. And God knows that this time on earth feels long to us. And in Genesis, it says something about him regretting it the moment he did it, but not because he didn't know what was happening, just because he knew it would hurt, but it's a vapor. It's a blink of an eye. And he trusted us to be able to see him. He, he knew that he would pursue us and, and that we would have opportunity, every single one of us, to answer that call if we wanted it. And so it becomes a chess game and it's a chess game between God and the devil. And so the devil uses us like pawns and moves us around. Right. And he has us in check. And then we stop and go, Oh my God, I mean, like this person's in check or we see it and we're devastated. And then it's like, no, no, no. God's the master chess player. He has planned this in advance. He has strategized. He has his own moves in place. And if you wait long enough, the devil says check. And then God comes in for his children. And he's like, checkmate mother. You know what I mean? Like I got you every time, bro, every time. And mm -hmm. he does, we just have to wait long enough. And that's what a loving parent does. If you put your, if you put one of my kids in check, I'm coming in. Right. Yeah. And if I knew in advance, I'd have planned all kinds of stuff in advance to be like, go ahead. And when you think you got them, I got them. I got yeah. them and I'm going to build them up and I'm going to make them stronger and better than ever. So that you see you F with the wrong kid. You know what I mean? Like I know what's in this kid. Well, and two, I think we live, it's, it's so, it's so funny that you're talking about this because literally this past weekend I was at a conference and I was in the car driving back with my friend and I, we were just talking about like, she just asked me point blank. She's like, Annie, I don't like, I don't think you take the enemy seriously enough. Do you? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, because yeah. I think we live in a day and age, especially people in, in kind of the Western sphere of the world where we're not open to like these evils that you spoke to, you know, we believe in, for the most part, like a lot of us, like we believe in God. I know that like, I, I feel the power of God, but there is an enemy out there that a lot of us are not taking seriously. And so talk to me about that. Talk to me, like, why do you think people, where's the shift in the kind of the Western side of the hemisphere where people aren't taking the enemy seriously? Do we have to have seen all of these horrible things that you've heard about as well to be able to take it seriously? Or how does evil kind of shape shift into mm -hmm. the modern day, you know, girl in college, the, what she's going through right now? And how does she handle that? Yeah, it's such a great question, because I think especially in the Western world, what do we have to be afraid of, really? And what do we we have so much free will and freedom in this country and how we make mistakes with it. But it's really not that big a deal. Right. We get choice and we abuse our freedoms. And it's really not that big a deal. I mean, you know, it's that whole thing and, the, and the, the devil's whole thing. And he is so frank about it. He says, I am here to seek, destroy and deceive. He is the father of lies. He's the first one to bring lies into this world. And lying is the thing he can do with all of us. He can lie to us about how, don't you want to be beautiful? Don't you want to be, you know, um, more powerful? Don't you want to have a little bit more of this? And don't you think you deserve it? And you look back and you go, he, it says in the Bible, his tactics haven't changed and they never will. 
He started with Eve. And what did he do? All he said was, is what God said really true? He said, you can't eat that apple, but why? Why shouldn't you be able to know more? And then Eve says, well, that makes sense. And Adam goes, yeah, I mean, my wife kind of, I mean, it shouldn't be that bad, right? All he did was get them to doubt God's word. And that's all he still does is he says, ah, look, it's not that big a deal. You should be able to do that, that, you know, the sin or that sin. It shouldn't be that big a deal. And we go, you know, it's not that big a deal. I'm forgiven, right? I can do that. But what we don't see is that when you, I see sin as this and Satan's work as like picture a door, right? And it's like this smoky kind of finger. I see it like a movie, like a Halloween movie or something, a dark smoke. And it just kind of creeps in the door like this, right? And we go, that's not that right? It's kind of fun. It's entertaining. It's not that big a deal. I can just close the door anytime I want. Well, you let a little bit in and then the the wrist and the arm and all of a sudden it comes here and you're trying to shut the door on it. You can't get it shut. And he's like, I'm in now what? Right. And now you have a battle to fight. It's not just closing the door. Now we're talking about it's in your house, it's in your home and you've got a war on your hands. So when I was, I was actually talking to some people recently about that pornography against infants, it just, it destroys my heart, you know? And, and they were like, well, because they start with something they know they shouldn't be having. Let's just say they start with sex out of marriage. Okay. Or, or, or sex with something outside of the way that God designed it. Okay. So maybe they see something on pornography or maybe they experience something that's kind of exciting, but after a while it loses its allure. So you go, what would give me that rush? I had the first time I did something that was kind of bad, kind of naughty, kind of outside of the norm. You keep going and then it loses and then you keep going and it loses its, its, you know, allure until one day you're in this spot because you started right here and then you let the whole monster come in. And if you don't know enough to fight it out, you're done. Like it took over. And until somebody comes in to talk to you about the reality of an evil presence, the spiritual realm and demonic influences, you don't, you don't even know you were consumed by a demon. You just think you fell pretty hard from what you meant to fall. You know, you fell further than you meant to fall. And it's the, what I'm hearing, it's like, it's the small incremental, I think so many times we paint, that was the enemy that was like on these massive things, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this, you know, sex trafficking in general, the whole thing, the enemy, that's evil. But we don't think of it like opening an app on our phone late at Mm -hmm. night when no one's watching. We don't think of it as like having sex outside of marriage that one time. We don't Mm -hmm. think of it as like, oh, I'm going to even, okay, maybe it's not like sexual related. It's I'm going to mindlessly scroll on Instagram for hours Mm -hmm. on end and have a day where I only watch Netflix and don't go to church today. Or I, you know, stop giving a full 10% of the tithe. Cause like, yeah, it's, you know, God has enough money. Like I can use this and I'll go do something better with it for myself. And I'll be able to, like, it's, it's those the mm-hmm. small incremental things done over time. So talk me through like, well, Annie, can I say something on that too? Because I don't want to present myself as somebody, this, these are things I've learned in time, but you know, I have not, I did not believe that any of those things were bad in the beginning. Right. I didn't, I mean, promiscuity. So what, right? Like people are having sex and I'm curious and you know, like, what's the big deal? And really wait till marriage just because you're supposed to wait till marriage. I mean, I used to tell my dad, like the Bible is a book of rules, right? Like, and it's just like, be obedient to be obedient because you love God. Like, I'm curious about this world. I'm an adventurer. I want to see what's out there. And what my dad said, and and interestingly enough, I believe it was 100% the Holy Spirit because my dad doesn't even remember saying it. He said, Taya, the Bible is really just a recipe for happiness. And isn't that funny, Annie? Because that's the first lie of all. 
I didn't want to even look into the Bible because I'm like, it's a book of rules, right? Like I know, be a good person. I'll do all of that. I'll be a nice person. I'll be a compassionate and empathetic person. I'll do my best to live well. But like, I'm going to follow all those rules just for the rule's sake. And that's the first lie. The truth is it's actually a recipe for happiness. And I see it as this love letter that God wrote. Like, if, you know, if I'm a dying parent and I have, I know it's coming and my kids aren't going to see me and hear from me. And I write them a letter of everything that I know will help them and protect them in life. That's my gift, right? That's all I can do. That's what God did with the Bible. Because he knew, it, I mean, it doesn't affect God if you sleep with somebody before marriage. It affects you. And he knows that because we connect differently. And that's a whole other podcast too. I, I do a lot of work on um, the meaning of sex because I didn't know it for so long and what it actually can do and what the lie is. But but that's what the devil did to, to Eve and Adam. He said, what's the big deal? It's just an apple. Have a bite. Right. And they didn't know the consequence was the ripple effect was huge. And that's what we face every day. But you had a question that I don't think I answered. Sorry. <laughs> what was no, your... no, no. Well, it's okay. funny you say that because there was a, again, at the, the conference I was at this past weekend, there was a quote that was my biggest takeaway. And it was that, you know, a good father isn't one who's his children are happy with him all the time. It's a father that does what's best by his children and leads mm -hmm. them in the best way possible for their ultimate satisfaction and happiness. Yeah. And, and I love that because it's, it's so true. Like, I think a lot of times when we go through really hard things, whether that's to the degree of what you've been through, or even like the girl in college whose friends are leaving her out and it's the first time she's feeling unworthy or not good enough, you know, we feel distant from God. We feel like he's far because we've either equated him with a book of rules or we've equated him with this father that if he loves us so much, why am I upset? Why am I not happy all the time? And so take me through like with what you've particularly been through with Chris. You once said, and I believe the exact quote was, when you're broken down the most, God can speak to you the most. Talk mm -hmm. us through like that initial after you found out about Chris, like what that was like and then the brokenness that followed and how God spoke to you because I do feel like even though there's a lot of girls that have never been through what you've been through mm -hmm. uh, they've had nights of their own degree of brokenness and yeah they want some sort of light in that situation so yeah I would love to one of the things with American Wife is the um, author who wrote it with me he was saying that my journey is basically a journey of turning fear into faith Right. So I lived in a, a home where it was very type A, know all of the risks, be smart, overanalyze everything, make good choices. And that's, you know, that's how you'll kind of get to the where, the place that you need to get to. And um, and that's a very fearful way to grow up because it puts you in control instead of God. So as I went through this, this um, I want to tell you when I first met Chris, um, I and I'm going to get to the brokenness part, but I think I can't get there without telling you this part, which is. I wanted to be very independent, you know, graduated from college, had a condo in Southern California. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to like own this sex in the city style, you know, maybe not that much sex, but I'm just saying like, I'm going to, I'm going to be strong, independent, try to look good and fit in and do this whole California thing. And it really didn't go the way I thought. And, um, I, I was lonelier than I thought, which was the first in my life, really not a first, but, um, in a different way, let's put it that way. And I, I remember feeling like God was telling me, Hey, you're not meant to do this alone. And I was thinking, I mean, I can date. I don't need to take any, I don't need to get married and like do all of that. Right. And 
I kept feeling like he was saying that, but I thought, is that really God? Or is that just me saying things aren't going the way I thought? And then I kept kind of hearing it and get, I'm like, I think this is God. And this was my first experience with true submission to God. Hey everyone, we're gonna take a quick break from the episode because I gotta let you know, if you love this content, if you love what you hear in Made to Shine, you have got to be a part of my weekly email fam. Y'all, in this weekly email fam, every single Monday I send out a newsletter with tips, tidbits on specifically faith, health, and finance. Because you know, here at Made to Shine, we are all about reminding you that you have a ministry. No matter what you do, it's how you live your life. It's how you go to your job. It's how you hang out with your friends and your family, right? And so in this weekly newsletter, you have that reminder every single Monday with specifically my favorite tidbits, tips, and tricks for faith, health, and finance. Go to my Instagram, click the link in the bio, and then sign up for the weekly email newsletter. I'm so excited to see you guys there. All right, let's dive back into the episode. So I finally said, okay, God, if I'm not meant to be alone, then you pick him for me because I didn't, I didn't trust that I could. And if it was that important, I felt like he could. Um, I said, I don't care how old he is. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what he does for a living. I just want him nice. Like at that point I had dated enough people to know that a goodness was what I really needed right? The other stuff wasn't really that important. It was like, I needed a goodness. And it was a very like, um, submissive prayer. And so it was within weeks or a month or something. That's my recollection. Maybe it was two months through, I don't know, but it felt very fast. Um, that I was, um, I always say I was in church in San Diego, but um, I was really in a bar. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't tell people unless they know I'm joking that I was in church, but I was in a bar in San Diego. Like if you saw the movie American Sniper, I was drunk, you know, Chris held my hair back. That's where I met him. And when I met him, I didn't think he was the answer to my prayer. I mean, when you ask your mom as a kid growing up for something healthy, she doesn't give you an ice cream sundae. She gives you steamed broccoli. You know what I mean? And Chris was like the ice cream sundae. He was hot and he was fun and he was nice. And gosh, you know, I mean, he was unabashed and just, I just, he was amazing. And I still didn't see that as the answer to my prayer, but that was the first time I went, okay, like he's, I'm, when I submit to him, something happens. And so then I, I, um, and I, you know, I didn't plan to meet Chris that night. I was just planning to go out, but God will work. If you submit to him, he'll work with whatever you're doing in your life. And he will, he will find a way to bring it. And so then Chris started deploying, you know, I'm fast forwarding, um, and I was so afraid, Annie, I would drive down the freeway and get like really jumpy or I would, I just was afraid to lose him. He was different than anybody I'd ever met. And then I started having these moments where he's deployed that I go, God, I don't think I can sleep. I could sleep with the lights on. I'm like, just take the fear, just take the fear for a minute. And I would feel like a heat in my chest and my heart. It was a very personal feeling. Where I was like, like, he's taking it. And this is, I just started going, wow, he cares. Like, it just, it was, I mean, it gives me chills to this day, the ways that I would start to do to rely on him. I still didn't have my head in the Bible or know the Bible. I remember talking to Chris when he was overseas, tell me about it. How do you justify killing? And it wasn't accusatory. I was literally asking him, like, I'm very curious because I, I believe, and I didn't realize he knew the Bible backward and forward and all, I mean, I married the guy and I didn't know that, right? We weren't praying together the way we would today. I mean, we each prayed on our own. And I mean, it was a real journey and a growth 
thing for me. Um, and so I started relying on God more and I started letting go more, not overnight. It took me a long time to really let go. I started to, um, toward the end of our marriage, I, I recognized that, um, our marriage needed some help from a biblical perspective. And I read this book, Daughters of Sarah and Sons of Abraham. It's an old book by an older couple. And it was about submitting, knowing that God will lead your husband and that he needs to be empowered to make the decisions in your relationship. And it's a longer story than that, but they, they showed how God worked through things that you could not have predicted. So I started saying to Chris, I want to start doing that. Because I was raised, hey, both people come in, both people make the decision, you know, you have to discuss everything. And so I, know, I think that, most people take that mindset nowadays, right? Oh, feminist but, culture. I mean, I was growing up in the 70s feminist for sure. And um, my mom had her own issues that she, you know, was like, people are going to listen to me. And my dad was, you know, which is a whole other story. Um, but so I was trying it. And what I came to was I'm not trusting man. Chris to make the best decisions. I'm trusting God to lead Chris. And I'm trusting that God will work through whatever Chris decides. And sure enough, it worked, right? It's, it's not perfect, but I had to also be humble enough to say what I would think would be perfect. Isn't necessarily perfect either. Cause I don't know all the outcomes. I can't overanalyze and figure out every outcome. So that was another act of submission. And then I noticed, you know, some of our friends were dying and I would see them as a widows. And I would think, this is my worst nightmare. And I look back now and go, God was preparing me for the amputation, just like you would any loving parent. If somebody said your kid has to have an amputation, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and because of free will and, and Satan's influence, God knows there's nothing that he's going to do about it because that's the promise he's made. Um, and I believe that's true with health and everything else. I believe God gave Satan the realm in there too, and he'll work through it and bring checkmate. So here's the amputation that's coming up. Do I tell my kid? Here's everything that's going to happen once you're, you know, you have this amputation. It's going to be awful, this and that. Do I? No, I introduce them along the way to some people who maybe have had an amputation, but I do it sort of subtly. And, you know, I give them some information here and there. I know it's coming. I don't want to overwhelm them, but I just want to give them enough to know that they're going to be. And then as it gets closer, I amp up a little bit what I'm going to, you know, help them with. And then when it happens, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to cry with them. I'm going to hold them. I'm going to say, I'm so sorry this is happening. And then I'm going to keep holding him, keep being with him, and I'm going to build him up. I'm not going to come to him and say overnight, now here you're going to do this and you're going to do that and you're going to be amazing. I'm going to give him little bits here and there, a little bit of strength here, here, buddy, here, you can learn something here, here, babe, girl. You know, and eventually I'm going to. It's not all at once. Why do you think he's not like, hey, it's going to get so much better all at once, right? Like I want it all at once, all the time. I put so much thought into this, right? And it's because it's, it's not realistic for humanity. I've tried to do it with my own kids. Here's everything. Just freaking do it. Like, no, it doesn't work. We are not able to absorb all of that at once, no matter how much we think we want to. I used to want a bullet pointed list. I'm like, why can't God just email? Here's the bullet points, do this. And I'll be like, okay, that's from God. I'll do those things and everything will be great. Because that, that just doesn't work. And it would tell me too much about what's coming, which would throw me off of today. So um, That's we so can just, but before you yeah. go, I just want to, yes. I want to make people, I want to make sure they rewind, like go listen mm -hmm. to that again, because the amount of, I think young girls, especially that just like, they want to have it the whole download right now. They want to mm -hmm. know who they're going to marry. They're going to know how many kids they have. They want to know what the names of the kids they're going to have. If they're going to have kids, what school they're going to go to, what they're going to major in, you know, are they going to play tennis? Or are they going to play soccer? And, and it's just like, because God designed us, we're the machines. 
God knows how the machines work. In his mercy and in his goodness, he's not giving it to us all at once. And I just want people to really absorb that before you continue, because I think that's just such a lost message and a lost surrender in today's day and age. It's almost like we're frustrated with God because he doesn't give us the download. Instead of saying, thank you, Jesus, for not giving me the full download right now. I can't handle it. Yes, dude. I am telling you that has been my my frustration, my passion, my wanting to know all of this stuff for most of my life until I realized that the not knowing is where the peace and the joy is, which sounds counterintuitive if you're brought up to like overanalyze or in today's culture everything's immediate. You're like I could plan better. I could do this. You know what? That is that only adds more angst and anxiety. If you knew everything to come, you would have a hundred times, a thousand times more worries about everything that would happen. You'd try to plan more and you would miss everything that he's giving you today to prepare you for it. He's already preparing you for it. So like, it seems not loving to not let you know, but it's actually more loving to not let you know, but subtly introduce you to things that are going to help you along the way. And this whole submission thing is like, it took me a long time. Um, it is the best, most freeing feeling in the entire universe. Like I'm telling you just going, I just get to wake up and show up and do my best and know that it's all part of the, like, he's already got it. He's already written it. Like if I'm supposed to be more, he'll put it on my heart to be more. If I'm supposed to be less, he'll put it on my heart to rest. Like it, it's okay. And it all works out. And all, and by the way, when I do that, the messages start coming in more clearly because I'm not so consumed with my own thoughts. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And, and so like kind of going back and talking us through like the moments where God, you know, there's a little download and it doesn't make sense, or there's a situation that happens and it doesn't make sense. Uh, and you're heartbroken. You know, I call them, I call them closet floor moments. That's where I go when I'm feeling yep. that way. And everybody has their version of a closet floor moment. I know you've had yours. Where do you, how do you intentionally focus on the light when your heart is literally feels like it is busting apart? So I think it's both. Um, it's both that I, I can focus on the light. And what I learned is I can spend some time with the dark and the sadness and the brokenness. And for me, that was my sort of pivotal moments because I wanted to just get busy get going, do what I needed to do, distract myself. And we all have a coping mechanism. We don't pick it. I have a friend who's, who's a widow and she took the year off of work and everything else. She was pregnant when her husband died. And, um, she took a year and went to the beach and journaled and and figured it out while she was pregnant. That would have terrified me. Like I needed to go get busy, start doing stuff. Like I can't spend time there. And I had a friend who I finally said, I'm afraid of going in the ditch, like the ditch of despair. And she said, you can go in the ditch. We're not going to leave you there. We'll get you out. And I was like, yeah, that's, you know, it's an interesting point. And so my growth has been allowing sadness. So even with my kids, I'm empathetic. And my daughter, I was like, I didn't want her to be sad. It hurt my heart. So I just wanted to get her out of the sadness. Right. But my lesson was sitting with her in the sadness was the most healing thing that I could do. And when God sits with us in the sadness, that is the most healing thing. Like we just sit there and, and he's not afraid of our sadness. I was afraid of my daughter's sadness. 
I was afraid it meant she'd always be sad or we couldn't fix it or she was missing out on the joy. And what I needed to do was not be afraid of her sadness and hold her in it. And then she was okay and validate it. So quick example, Annie, like, so I had a a cousin, gorgeous, like truly like just, uh, you know, no bias here. Like by, by America's standards, any world standards, she's gorgeous. She's a little kid. She'd go out and play with her friends and her friends would bully her and tell her she was ugly or whatever. She'd come in and say to her mom, they're saying I'm ugly. And she goes, you're not ugly, honey. You're not. Oh my gosh, you're beautiful. Everybody tells you how beautiful you are. And this kept happening until a counselor told her, tell her that must feel really hard. And so when she came in the next time, I feel so ugly. Her mom goes, that must feel really hard, isn't it? And she cried and she goes, it is mama. She goes, yeah, that hurts. And then she goes, yeah, dries her tears, goes out and plays. It's never an issue again. Like that's the brilliance for me of saying God can handle it and being honest and saying this hurts. He goes, it does hurt. It does. I mean, Jesus cries with us, Lazarus. He wept, not because he didn't know Lazarus was going to rise again. He wept because it was like, I see that no matter what, well, I think two things, actually. I think he wept because he saw the pain of humanity And he also saw Lazarus's sisters, Martha and Mary, knew him, knew him well, knew his miracles. And they still said, why didn't you grant us a miracle? And he's thinking, even knowing me and seeing me in the flesh, they can't trust. And that's sad because of sin and death in this world. It's sad. So so God cries with us. He gets it. And he's not afraid to sit there with us. And we can't be afraid of it either. And we'll get out of it. That makes me like almost, it makes me emotional because um, I... I like put so much of my worth. I know I'm not alone here as a young girl or woman, but so much of my worth in like making other people around me happy growing up. It was always like, you know, I just, I, if I didn't, like I remember in high school, if I left a hallway and I, the people weren't smiling back at me, I would think, oh crap, I'm off today. Like something's wrong. Like, and I started translating that into my relationship with God in the sense that you know, and, and, and scripture tells us like rejoice in the Lord with all your heart and, and instances like that. But I think sometimes we we think we're doing something wrong if we're upset because it's like, I'm upset right now and I know I have the love of God, but I'm also upset right now. And to think that we have such a beautiful and wonderful heavenly father that sits with us in that sadness. And even though like he understands what, what it's going to be redeemed for and everything, but we don't, he knows that. And I love Mm -hmm. that because I think we do live in a day and age, I think social media plays a lot in this, where we almost think it's a bad thing to be sad. It's not okay Mm -hmm. to be sad. And we have a God that's like, no, it's okay. Like you're, you're validated. You're good. Like I'm going to sit here with you as we go through this together. And to that, you know, of course, there's the question that everyone asks when bad things happen, which is if God loves us so much, why does he let our heart break? Why does he let us go through horrible things? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is a big one. And I've talked to my daughter a lot about that. My son is, um, he's, he's just like, he's a studier of the Bible and all things Jesus. And it, it makes more sense to him. But she's like, I am, I think more where it's like an emotional connection and, and the why. She's like, if let's say I created a puppy, why would I send it out to get its butt whooped and like abused and be like, oh, but I'll be there for you. You know, like it, she's like, that's not love. And so to answer your question, um, God, it says that God covets our tears, which I always thought that's so weird. We must be misunderstanding. I mean, that's me. I'm like, nah, that doesn't make sense. Okay. So if you create a being and you want it to love and experience and still be good and want all these things, 
if it doesn't cry, that means it's not having the full experience. Like it's not a big enough emotional being. And I think he covets our tears because it says we are fully experiencing and we are caring enough to hurt. If you're not hurting, you're not paying attention at some point. Right. And, and so in my brokenness, this is what I learned. I don't share with, um, with people publicly all the things I went through because there's just a lot of personal things, but I had a family member who stole uh, most of the money that I was working really hard to make after Chris's death. Um, Chris had some business partners where it, everything was going south before he was killed. Um, we had another lawsuit. Um, we, I have had family members. Sometimes when people grieve, they put their hate and anger on a certain person that's come at me and I've lost family members that way. And I've tried, I've prayed. I even asked them to go to a pastor with me. Like I try to do everything biblically. And it just, I mean, when I talk about hate, I'm talking like encouraging people who want to kill me type, type of hate, like beyond what you can imagine. And so through all of this, I go, man, I'm losing for, for a girl who loves family. I'm sure losing a lot of family because I can't fix it and I can't change it. And I'm not even hateful. They, they, they do these things and then don't want me, you know what I mean? And so for a people pleaser and all that stuff, it's been so destructive. Well, why would God want the brokenness? Because through all of that, Annie, every time something has been stripped from me, not because he wanted it to be stripped, but it was, I'm so freaking hurt and so heartbroken. And I learned something else about healing. And I learned something else about what I placed value on that once I lost it, I was still okay. Not right away. I mean, I'm, you know, this has been like years of therapy type of, you know, crying out. And I got to this place recently and I, I was telling my parents, I said, I mean, we're talking like in the last year, I said, I got to this place of total freedom because I realized if I lost everything, the people I love, because I've lost a ton of them, um, money, the things that I work for, friendships. And I am more in love with God than I've ever been and more secure than I've ever been. I have less worry than I've ever had because I realized if everything was taken, I'd still have God. He can't be taken. And believe it or not, he literally is enough. And if you'd have told me that before, I would have thought, okay, in theory, God's enough. Like I hear it. It's a cliche. He's enough, right? Okay, whatever. But like I live in the real world. I have a home. I have a family. I have things that matter to me. And I'm getting chills while I'm telling you this because it literally is the truth. I check myself and go, if I lost my home and it was like, you know, in a very small place or I'm staying at a friend's place, would I still be okay with God? Yes. If I lost all my money, yeah, there'd be a lot less worries with less money too. Let me tell you, right? Um, like if I lost more people, I don't know if I could lose people more important to me. You know, I even think, what if, what if something happened to my kids? Would I still be okay? God forbid, right? I mean, I rebuke it in Jesus name, but, and Yes, because I know that God's still there and this life is short. It's short and I get to see them all on the other side. So, Amen. right? So like really, that's why the brokenness, the more we're stripped away, the more we go, I guess I didn't need that to be okay. That's so good. It reminds me of, again, I'm a quote girl too. So I love it. Yeah, um, You can uh, break apart or break open. And, and I think too, like I look back in my closet floor seasons of life where yeah. um, even recently, like going through some things, walking away from some things that people thought I was crazy for doing and, and things I thought I needed to feel validated mm -hmm. and secure. You get to that, that bottom and you realize I'm still good. Like I yeah. am, I have God with me. Mm -hmm. And not to say that 
it's, it, you have to remind yourself of that every day. Like you have to re-remind yourself of that a hundred percent, but um, there's so much freedom in that. And it, it almost like it, it clears up your mind to be able to make the best decisions, the best spirit led decisions. Cause it's no longer a question of what's the best thing for me. What's the best thing for my reputation? What's the best thing for my happiness? It's no, if I like didn't have anything, what would I choose? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like it's God who defines me and validates me. And I feel yeah. like that just provides so much freedom and clarity. It is. I mean, for, here's an example for you. I was telling that to my parents recently. I was saying, I, I mean, I was very disappointed with the way that they handled some things, you know, with the other family members. And I, I felt very like they didn't, they saw me as so strong that I guess I didn't need protection or something. And I was like, man, I, I think I, I really counted on if I lost everything, I'd still have the love of my parents or, and I do have their love but it wasn't the way that I thought. And it wasn't at the level I thought. And I told my parents, I said, I, what that did for me and losing that image of you, it was devastating. Like crying out in the car while driving, like, Oh, like this hurts so bad. I can't believe this to, you know what? I let go of the expectations I had of them as my parents. And I said, you know, they're just fellow travelers and they're just children of God and they're doing their best. And by letting go of my expectations, I enjoy being around them more. I don't have the expectations anymore. I felt disappointed because I don't have that uh, love need kind of feeling, but I have the, I love, you know? And so when I said that to my parents, my dad, his eyes filled up tears and he goes, boy, that's, that's special to you. And my dad has loved Jesus his whole life, right? He goes, I don't know what I'd do without your mother. And she goes, you know, she said the same to me. I have to run to the bathroom if, she even thinks it all like she's gonna have explosive diarrhea to even think about something happened to my dad. And I sit back and I go, they don't know. They live in that angst because they don't know that they will be okay. And I do know that. And, and no, it, it doesn't come quickly, but you're still okay. And so I can live in a different kind of freedom and peace than they can, you know? Oh my gosh. It um yeah, it's like when you realize everything is a gift from God, you appreciate it as a gift, not something that you own. It's yeah. it's, it's on loan. You know, and if you yeah. look at the people in your life like that, I just imagine the relationships that change. Like if I looked at my parents who I'm so close with as not just these people that, because in a way, I think we all think we own the relationships. Like they're my yeah. parents. Like I have them. They're mine. Yes. And it's like, no, they are a gift. They are on mm-hmm. loan. How mm-hmm. would that change the way you treat people? Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh, I love that. I could talk to you forever. We, I mean, we've got to round this out with, okay, yeah. last question. Tell me about your children's book series that's coming out. Let's talk about okay. that to round this out. Yeah. So this has been, and this is, I think, another interesting thing My uh, for, for especially listeners um, in that age group that you were telling me about 18 to 25, 30, and, and even older, um, wanting to know what are you going to do with your life and what's your purpose? And, you know, I, I used to love in sixth grade, I used to love creative stories. And I remember thinking, Ooh, that'd be fun, but nobody really does that, you know, whatever. Um, and so I looked at psychology, looked at philosophy, graduated in economics with a business minor, long story. And, um, And then I kept thinking, like, I was in my house in Alpine, California with Chris, and I had a laundry basket, and I was walking down the stairs, and I'd been obsessing sort of about, like, what can I do? I I quit my job that was, you know, lucrative to stay home with kids, and I was like, but but there will be a time when I do something. And I thought children's book, and I got, like, this whole, like, chills all over my body, like a Holy Spirit kind of feeling, and I went, whoa, nobody gets children's books published, dude. Like, nobody, right? They're, like, everybody thinks they have one to write, and, like, it's very few, and it's all celebrities and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of went, well, that was weird, but 
full circle now. And I've got this prayers for bears. I hope people will follow me on social media, Taya Kyle, American wife, because that's where I'll be able to promote it. Um, it's coming out in March, but I was like, when it came to me, it's all about how, what my children and I needed after Chris died. What could we be grateful for? Right. We had people stealing from us. We had lawsuits. We had grief. We had family members turning. It was, you know, Chris was taken. Like, what did we have to be grateful for? And so that first book is um, Bailey, the Grateful Bear. And Bailey is noticing a day when like nothing is going well and things that Bailey enjoys are not present. And so Bailey's struggling with like, how do I find gratitude? And so her parents teach her, well, it's not actually a she, it's just Bailey. Um, it, Bailey doesn't have, is not a boy or girl for no other reason, except that one of my girlfriends said, well, I have boys and I probably wouldn't buy it if it was a girl bear. Um, and I was like, what are you, are you kidding me? So anyways, Bailey just is like, just Bailey. Um, but anyway, so Bailey, um, learns a prayer for gratitude. And that's the first book. And so then the rest of the books are all based on experiences that we've had in grief, which is how God uses it. And Annie, I know we're running out of time, but I did want to say this one thing. Um, when you said you talked about everything we have from God as a gift, I agree. And, um, when we have that brokenness, I don't believe that God thinks of it as a gift to us. We may do that in hindsight, but I don't think, I think he looks at it like, like that check, you know, check, checker, uh, chess game on a checkerboard chess game, um, where the devil put us in check. And what the gift is, is that he will come through it and your relationship will, with him will grow. That's the gift. Right. But I just want to be clear that there are a lot of things in life that don't feel like a gift too. And, and they're probably not, you know, they're probably the spiritual realm. You got nailed. Um, the gift is still there. You just have to wait for checkmate to come in and God will still work through it. Um, even if it's just teaching you how to be sad with him. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, I know I could talk to you forever too. I've, oh my uh, gosh. I, yeah. well, where can, so where can people find you? You mentioned it a little bit before. Yeah. But. Just, I mean, I have, I do have a website, tayakyle.com. So I'd love people to check that out. Um, my son is working on some merchandise, which I'm excited. He's finally going to do American sniper merchandise, which was not something yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so he's got Instagram American sniper brand, uh, on Instagram, and then you can buy merchandise through, my website for now until we get the American Cypher one. He just graduated high school. He's 19. So he's like, yeah, I'm his new. You'll, you guys should talk someday. You and my son, yes, once he's more public, which will be the end of 2024. He'll be like out in public and all that stuff. But um, awesome. yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's um, the children's book series and social media would be great. And um, yeah, I love, I do love to connect with people that way. It's, it's a blessing that it's a curse. A lot of ways, social media, right. But, but it's also a blessing in a lot of ways. I always so. say it's like a it's like a tool. It's a hammer. A hammer can yeah. step a snow or build a house. It's how you use it, right? Ooh, nice. I love That's that. That's good. what I, I try to teach younger people. So um well Taya, thank you. I truly believe like God used you to speak so much value today. And you are such a thank you. beautiful soul of a human being. And thank you for shining your light here with us on Made to Shine today. Thank you so much. Well, likewise, thank you. Hey friend, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me, hang out with my guests and listen all the way through. Hey, listen, before you log off, I have an ask for you. 
I'm not very good at asking people for things. So really putting my foot forward here and asking that if this podcast has in any way, shape or form helped you, helped your friends, helped your family, helped your spirit, helped your soul, helped your mind, helped your body, helped your heart. Would you please, for your friend Annie, leave a review, leave a comment, put some stars out there, be honest, of course, but it would really help me out if you would like and review this podcast, especially if it's made any sort of impact in your life so that it can then go forth and help whoever else God needs to hear this message. I'm sending you love. I'm cheering for you, rooting for you. Let's go have an awesome day. Thank you.